Well, hey guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter, and uh, it's great to be with you today, and I'm still really excited. Uh, as you can see, the new studio setup, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're just listening, uh, maybe go to YouTube and check it out, but uh, still getting settled in here. Um, it's not quite 100% where I want it to be, I don't think, but um, we're getting there, and so um, excited. I got some really cool podcasts that I've been recording um, these last couple weeks and excited to get them out. And uh, today uh, will be the first podcast I recorded in the new studio um, with a guest I'm really excited about. Um, his name is Eric Chesser. If you're a fan of Hush, um, you've probably heard of him. Um, he's a legendary uh, shed hunter. Um, is also also just an amazing elk hunter. He's killed some just insane bulls um and really cool guy um very passionate hunter he's really into fitness very positive guy an entrepreneur filmmaker um all the kind of stuff that i really like talking about on the hunter's quest podcast and um we also get into a pretty cool um spiritual conversation towards the end um but eric's just a great guy i had a really good time talking to him um we went a little over an hour just because the conversation was flowing and I think you guys will really enjoy the podcast, so um, definitely, uh, you know, go to the YouTube channel and watch this if you're just listening. Um, subscribe to the channel, um, you know, keep sharing the podcast with friends and family, and um, uh, I want to remind you again about the discount codes I got with some of my great partners. You can check those out in the description fields, um, but for now, that's pretty much it. Uh, I want to jump into this podcast because it's a really good one, so I hope you guys enjoy this one with Eric Chesser. Right, so I'm here with my guest today. Excited to talk to Mr. Eric Chesser, and we're recording this on Fourth of July. So happy Fourth of July, man! Yeah, happy Fourth. It's it's a nice day here in Salt Lake. I'm uh, excited to get outside. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, I appreciate you making time for me. Uh, you know, getting inside a little bit to uh, record, but uh, we've been trying to link up for a while. So uh, when you said let's do it this morning, I was just like, let's let's do it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for switching that kind of last second too. My partners decided to move our typical Monday meeting to Tuesday. So yeah, no worries, man. And that just goes to show, like, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, a you got to work when you got to work, and if you're doing work you love, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it. When you're doing stuff you love with people that have similar interests, and you get to talk about things that you're passionate about, like it doesn't feel like work whatsoever. And that's, that's the goal. Yeah, man. Yeah. I was just thinking about the other day, like, you know, I'm in here in my, well, not free time, but you know, working my own hours and doing my thing, but, um, it doesn't feel like work cause it's stuff I like doing and we're lucky to be able to do that. And that's kind of like how you built your life, huh? Yeah. I've always, even from a young age, just want, like wanted to be my own boss and, create an income doing what I loved. And man, that was rough. You know, like when yeah. I was younger, was like how does someone get to just go film wildlife and somehow draw in an income and <laughs> it's been a journey, man. It's been a long journey. Yeah. And I want to, I want to talk about that, but, um, so you, you're based in Salt Lake, you said, is that right? Yep. I grew up right here in West Jordan, Utah. It's right in the Salt Lake city Valley, just South of, of Salt Lake cool yeah i was out there i was out there this year for the expo um 
I wanted to come say hi to you guys, but there was like always a line, <laughs> so I didn't get a chance That's to say hi. But maybe, up. yeah, maybe next year um, we'll get a chance to link up. And then I was out there in like Paradise, Utah, for a little bit um, in, in March. Is that anywhere near where you're at? You know, when I think of Paradise, I'm like, okay, I know I've seen it on signage, but I can't even right now. I, I can't even pinpoint Paradise, Utah. I don't know where okay. it is. I don't, it's, I know if you go out past the mountain ops headquarters, it's like out past that way. That's all I know. If it's North, um, to me, the joke, the joke with the mountain ops guys is like, dude, if it's North of Salt Lake, you're basically in Idaho and I don't know where you're at. <laughs> Cause those guys are all like, they live North of Salt Lake. And for me, like not only my daily living, but my hunting stuff, everything is South of where I'm at. So Okay. Nope, that's probably why I don't know where it's at. <laughs> uh, that's all good. But um so what do you got? You've been up to doing some fishing lately, I saw, or you're traveling? You you're all over the place doing stuff. Yeah, so this year I'm not one to really like lock in set dates like month, two, three months out. I mean, that was the struggle of like booking something with me is like <laughs> Uh, you know, people be like, Hey, can we book you out two weeks from now? I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing two weeks from now. So like my partner, BMAC, he always jokes, like you're like herding cats, you know, <laughs> trying to get you on a schedule. But this summer, you know, a couple things that kind of like lined up for this is just one, wanting to take advantage of the summer, um, single. So I was like, I'm literally going to go hard, work hard and like do all these trips that I get offered to. So yeah, this summer I've got so many, fun plans i've already have up to this point but from here out it's just like bang 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 like trip 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 travel and collaborations and fun stuff yeah what, what you were doing something recently like did you go on a fishing trip or something yeah so my buddy um ben he's known online as shed crazy big goofball okay, yeah, yeah. everybody loves ben um he's got a friend who's you know become my friend now his name's mike the mullet man and he lives in texas and those guys are always up to something fun. Like Texas is just full of opportunity across the board for fishing and hunting. And they've invited me down to do some coastal fishing. Okay. And the first day we met up with uh, uh, Mike's friend, Braden, and he's a big spear fisherman out of Texas, which I guess isn't, there's not like a huge community of spear fishing in Texas. So I've always wanted to do that. And I've tried to like get into it myself here in Utah and doing some freshwater stuff, but like very base level beginner, 15, 20 feet tops. Right. Um, so yeah, we did some spear fishing. We did some, uh, bait fishing, lure fishing. We caught a whole bunch of different species. We ate like Kings seafood every day. And, I love that stuff. It's different. Like I don't love fishing unless it's hot and yeah. like it was pretty hot. So it kept me entertained. <laughs> Dude, spear fishing is crazy. Like, so my, one of my hunting partners and good buddies, kind of the, one of the guys that helped me get into Western hunting, his name is Ned. Um, but he, he's huge into free diving and spear fishing. And, um, I went with him last year over here in Virginia in the Chesapeake Bay. And like, I, I like the water, but I don't really love like murky, cold water that you can't see very far in. It kind of creeps me out. Not gonna lie. Um, yeah. And that's where the water is here. But I intentionally like went with him just because I knew it was outside my comfort zone, and I want to kind of like stretch myself a little bit. Um, but I mean, we're talking. You know, you dive down it's just these huge boulders, and like you can only see about two or three feet in front of your face, and the water's cold, and there's a current. It's it's kind of um 
it's an intense experience. What do you think about it? Yeah, well, I got lucky because when we went to Texas, I had some beginner experience here in the freshwater and a little bit of experience in Hawaii. Okay. And then just like a quick crash course uh, scuba diving lesson out in Florida before. So I had the basics down, like how to manage your mask, how to breathe through the snorkel. I'm still trying to get better at that. But we got lucky because the weather was perfect. There was no wind. The water was crystal clear. So the visibility made it like 10 times more fun. And it was just such a target rich environment. I mean, there's barracudas going everywhere, mangrove snapper, red snapper, like so it was just a lot of fun because the opportunity was there and the visibility was good. So the murky water, I've done that here in Utah and freshwater, and it's a little more of a panic, right? Like yeah. you get down there and you're kind of like holding your breath and you can't really see, you're like, I just better go back up. But with the freshwater, if you ever get a chance to go do it where you have good visibility, mm-hmm. it'll be like a nine day difference. Yeah. I have done a little bit in good visibility water. Um, but yeah, and then plus we were in a spot that's like pretty, pretty known for lots of sharks, and yeah, it was just scary. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, cool. It's a, it's a fun summer thing, you know. Like a yeah. lot of the hunts wind down, and you know, for any of us who are looking how to extend our season, we're looking at axis deer hunting, maybe exotics or travel. But you know, it's something to do different. That's kind of out of my element, and yeah. that's what's been so fun with like creating this lifestyle and building, you know, a company and building a position in the outdoor industry to like make a living. It's opened up doors to do things. I never thought I'd be able to do spearfish off the coast of Texas. Like (laughs) I never visioned that until recently. Yeah, man. So have you done that Hawaii axis hunt yet? Yeah. So I've been out there a couple of times, been fortunate enough to uh, shoot some bucks. uh, I think three or so with a rifle, one with a bow. Nice. And dude, it, I, I went to Hawaii, like the friends that know me, like know the whole story, but I went to Hawaii, um, got out of a relationship, got broken up with, was heartbroken. was like, <laughs> I need to like get out of here. And it was December, you know, in Utah, it's cold. I really like struggle with like the winter and like less activity. Cause I just want to go, go, go. And I don't enjoy, yeah. I don't enjoy this, the winter sports. Like I used to like snowboarding or ice fishing or any of that kind of stuff. I was like, I need to get away to just clear my mind, like completely check out of social media and like go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And luckily for me, I connected with some super nice guys who are now my friends that kind of like gave me the basics of like where I can hunt a night or two. But I just thought Hawaii was the coolest place on earth. Like it is at the top for me where I've been and where I've been. It's like my number one favorite place because I just remember one day where I woke up and I think I hit the gym. I went and got a poke bowl, which is like new, you know, this raw tuna style thing. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, healthy. And then I would go uh, in the afternoon, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, did some spear fishing, hung out on the beach. And by like 3.30, I was on the mountain bow hunting. I was like, where can you do that? Not yeah. only can you do that, like, where can you do it? all year you know because coming from the west and you probably know it's similar you guys might have more extended seasons but like some of our hunts are like you have five days to go hunting Mm. you have you know four weeks to do the bow hunt and man when i went out there and i could just the idea of like you could do that any day just blew my mind yeah that's really cool man i've already had the uh conversation with the wife like 
So theoretically, if we did a family vacation, would you be okay if I snuck away and hunted for a few days? And she was like, yeah, that'd be cool. So I might have to plan that sometime. It sounds like a really cool hunt. And something you can do, like you said, sort of in the in the off season, you know? Yeah, great practice and, you know, a great opportunity to get more trigger time, whether it's behind a rifle or a bow. Like, just to put yourself in those situations helps. And I can tell you what, man, my friends that live out there, that bow hunt, they are straight killers no matter where they go. Oh, yeah. And I just believe that it's kind of like the Texas deal where you can have just so much opportunity and you put yourself in those moments where you're at full draw with an animal in your sight window. Like, just imagine us, like, again, I know it's a little different from the West. Some States have multiple buck opportunities, but man, in Utah, it's like you get your one deer tag. And so to, to gain that much knowledge and experience behind the bow with animal in your sight window, whether it's Texas or some of these other states like Hawaii, like that's super valuable because it's just experience, you know, real life experience yeah. <laughs> that otherwise would take five to 10 years for someone to get out here. They can get in one to two seasons easy. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a really cool hunt, man. To try. I was just talking to, I just did a podcast with uh, Brian Barney. He just got back from Hawaii and was telling me about that. It sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, I saw those guys. I was following his stories. They it looked like they had a blast. Yeah. Yeah, man. So you mentioned earlier um, that you're single and I saw a thing on your story. I think it was yesterday about like power couples and stuff. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love being married, love having a family. Um, But, you know, it is it is. How do I say this? I don't want to say it's competition, but, you know, it's it's adding another element to your life where I can't just on a whim necessarily just go and do whatever I want. You know, I got to think about other people and stuff like that and, um, and think about providing for them and whatnot. But I'm just wondering, have you kind of made a conscious decision to, to stay single, to kind of have a better, uh, I don't know, however you want to say it, um, opportunity in your life to kind of do exactly what you want, or is it just kind of been the way things have worked out or what's, what's been that kind of whole dynamic? Like, I would say, I would say it's a combination. Like, I've been in a handful of like long relationships, like three to five years. And, you know, each one of those, I was in a different phase of life, right? Like the earliest ones was the building phase where Eric had to be, I was just out of town a lot in the fall time of the year, trying to film hunts or maybe be a guide. And then I was like getting these random jobs in between. And then I just like literally would cut them. Like I've just been the guy who's like, dude, I will quit any, I will quit this to go pursue my passion, but I kind of needed to fill in the gaps between hunting seasons with, you know, random jobs. And I've got a, I've got a long list of like the, the different jobs I had, none of them ever being a career, right? Like just right. like fill in the blank. So I'd say through the relationships, um, some of the relationships, I, I call them speed bumps. I didn't get full support from my current partner at the time. Like they, they weren't, they didn't see my vision, my goals. They didn't believe in me or trust me that it could be successful. So through, through over time, I wouldn't say I I was never single on purpose to, to pursue this. I've definitely, when I am single, I step it up a notch. I have that much more freedom just like this summer. Like I'll go on every single trip I can to collect as much content as I can and collaborate with other other content creators but no it was it's just now i'm in such a different place where if you fast forward to now i am 
more successful. I mean, if you, if you want to put it that way, like financially stable, right? Like business is going good, created a business that has true value that could someday be an exit strategy or put me in a good position to start investing money into other businesses. Mm. So now it's a little more stable where I think if someone came along, they would, you know, they would probably see pretty quick that I'm in a good place in life where the, you know, previous relationships, I didn't get the support always like, they didn't believe in my vision. They didn't believe in my goals. And unfortunately for women who want stability and they want to feel secure, like I couldn't offer that straight up. Like I see yeah. it clear as day now looking back that like, I didn't have that. And you know, some of the women I've dated, they wanted that security. They'd rather have me in a nine to five than like be a YouTuber, you know, <laughs> like what, cause what was that? Like five years ago, what would anybody think? Like, Oh, you're a YouTuber. Like how are you going to raise a family? How are you going to support right. someone? Yeah. So, it wasn't always on purpose. And, you know, now moving forward with what I've been through, I can just, I have more, I have a clear vision of what my goals are, what I want my life to look like and like what that woman needs to look like and like support me. Kind of like what I say is like, I need someone who's going to support this and kind of ride this wave with me yeah. because I, it does have good, great potential. I can see the future. I'm very confident in the plan. And like, I need someone who can support that and be okay with me leaving and yeah. just kind of, you know, that's smart, man. Cause I think you're setting yourself up for success in a relationship too. You know I mean? Um, you know, for me, I was in a similar in, well, I was in the filming and producing world when I met my wife, but it was for a large, you know, TV show. And, um, you know, it was definitely a lot of, you know, I'm kind of just starting out pretty much and definitely was a lot of really long conversations you know like getting my wife kind of on board with this because it is a, it's a risk um but anytime you want to go after your dreams it's a risk and i you know i feel like so many people just talk themselves out of pursuing their dreams and um and you know anything in life worth doing is hard you know and it's but that's what makes it fun right yeah, exactly. It is, it is a risk. And as I get a little older and I have people kind of like point out some of the qualities they see in me, I've come to realize like a lot of people, unfortunately, have such limited beliefs in themselves, mm. their potential. And because of that, they don't, they're not willing to take the risk. And I don't know why I'm, I've been wired the way I am, but I've always had that. Like, why can't that be me attitude? Like, well, if someone else has done it, why can't that be me? Like, it's clearly possible. I can get it. So that's been something that I've realized is, um, I think there's a lot of people that haven't unlocked their true potential and they have very limited beliefs in their themselves. And I don't know how, but I'm hoping through my content and my message that I can like help some people unlock that yeah. so they can, you know, skyrocket into their life and build their best life. And it doesn't mean that you have to be full-time YouTuber, like whatever that is to them. Like, I just hope people can see that, be willing to take a risk, step outside their comfort zone and like try to improve their situation if they're unhappy. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I see like, I have these conversations a lot cause I see such a like heavy correlation between like entrepreneurship and and like adventure hunts because i mean it's easy to get comfortable it's easy to just to go into that nine to five and draw your paycheck or you know just walk 200 yards to your favorite tree stand and sit there and wait and i'm not knocking either of those things you know yeah um but 
there's something different that some guys have that say, you know, I'm going to book this hunt. I don't know the unit, whatever. I'm going to figure it out when I get there. Uh, yeah, I might uh, spend thousands of dollars and eat tag soup, but I'm going to try it. And it's going to be adventure either way. And like embracing that you might fail and it's okay. You know, and it's such a correlation between like starting a, you know, going after your dream, whether that's building a business or a relationship or even just advancing in your nine to five, um, just that risk and reward thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Um, but anyway, dude, um, I want to go back on the same vein here and just kind of like hear a little bit of your story, you know, from getting going. Um, you're kind of in, especially in the hunting industry, you're sort of like a YouTube OG, you know? So, and now there's like so many, so many guys like me, you know, trying to get in on it and, um, trying to create content and do what they love. And, um, you know, I'm under no illusion. I don't, um, expect to ever be rich, but, um, if I can do what I love and provide a decent, you know, income for my family, that's, that's good enough for me, but it's a grind these days, man. Like, uh, it's, especially YouTube is, is tough to really get, get your foot in the door, but I'd love to hear just, you know, for myself and for the listeners, kind of like your background and story and how you got in and built, built what you've built. Yeah. So I'll try to condense this, um, into the shorter version because <laughs> it is a long story. And honestly, like it is pretty cool. And I think it's cool anyways, but I this goes cool too. to me from like grow, growing up in California, my dad was a hunter. He was from Utah. I wasn't, but I, I loved animals. I was that natural, nat, nat, national geographic TV show kind of kid who like me too. was glued to the TV to watch the lions, the tigers, the, you know, the hyenas and all, all this stuff. And I always loved animals and had pets, snakes, lizards, frogs, just like that was my, <laughs> that was my youth. And uh, one time we were out here in Utah visiting my grandma's house and right above the washer and dryer at grandma's house was this mule deer rack and i just was a kid like dad what's that you know like what whose are those he's like well that's that's my first buck i've ever shot one of the only racks he ever kept you know my dad's generation it was like get the buck take a picture like toss the rack in the <laughs> in the uh the garbage pile you know so it was he had this one rack and it's like a 145 inch mule deer just a very nice typical four point to me that thing could have been the world record. I thought it was the coolest thing on planet earth. And I remember, you know, asking if I can keep that. So I had this set of mule deer antlers and was just so fascinated by this thing. Um, and then, you know, I, I'd say that I was like young teenager. Fast forward a couple years when I could hunt, I think I was 12 or 13. My dad took me on this rifle elk hunt up in Idaho. Super inexperienced, wasn't really in the mountains a lot. And uh, we rode horses into this old mining cabin and it was just an awesome place. Like I really, I don't know where that was. Like I can't pinpoint where that was just cause I don't have the memory of it. Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back there just to kind of relive that experience because that was the first trip um, where we found shed antlers. I was sitting on a hill with my dad's friend and, and he, you know, does the whole like pull up the scope across the hill. He's like, I think that's a moose antler over there. You know, I got these little old giant binoculars. I'm like, holy cow, that is like, that's when I realized that antlers were shed each year. Okay. And instantly I was like, I want to find these things. So we found the match to that set. He's got this giant set of moose paddles. I thought it was super cool. My dad also found a moose paddle on that same trip. 
So that's kind of where the outdoor thing really started with me. But it was the and you're kind of known for you're kind of known for shed hunting. So that's that's kind of where it got started, huh? That's where I got started. I was like, do you think I, you tie that to a? Do you think that some of your love for it is tied to that like nostalgic memory of that hunt with your dad? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely connected to that story of his buck. The moment that I realized like these things shed and you can find them like from that moment on, I was like, I want to find shed antlers because one, I was love the antlers and two, you don't even have to kill the animal. Like I thought that was cool too, because I love the animals. Yeah. Um, and at that point I hadn't shot one myself. So early teenage years, you know, you start getting into middle school and, uh, started asking my dad, like, take me antler hunting. And what that meant for him was, <coughs> excuse me, just drop me off in the foothills. Like, all right, like, go hike around, meet you down at the bottom of the hill. And I would just stumble around, like not knowing if I was in the right area or whatnot. And started to find some mule deer sheds here and there. And, uh, high school, I took photography class and, you know, back then in high school, we were in the dark room printing your own, developing your own film, printing your own black and white photos. And I just, that was so cool. So then now I have photography. I love it. I love taking stills and I love animals. So I started, you know, collaborating both of those to like Mm. taking pictures of my antlers and taking pictures of my collection at the time. (laughs) Excuse me. I got this chronic cough that I'm trying to deal with. Oh, really? I had one this uh, spring for like two months. Yeah, they, the doctor says I have seasonal asthma. My throat's huh. constricted. Anyways, it's uh, it, yeah, it's not great. So in high school, fell in love with this, fell in love with photography, asked my parents for a video camera for Christmas at like 15, I think. Nice. And I'm 39. And nowadays, everybody has a camera on their dang smartphone. But yeah. when I was 15... You didn't, not every, you know, 15 year olds didn't just have cameras, but my parents bought me one. That's cool. And uh, I always say it, like, I'm sure they financed it through the local RC Willie here. So I always am so appreciative that they, they did that for me because once I got the video camera, I started filming mule deer. I started filming my hunts mm. and really looking back to like why I enjoyed that. I like my favorite thing was to go to the Hills And again, this West Jordan, this Salt Lake area, it's more city, right? I'm not small town. I didn't have friends that like did antlers, did filming, did hunting. Like I was the one kid who did that. And my friends always joke like, dude, you live this double life. Like you're here on the weekdays and we skateboard and then we like snowboard. And then on the weekends, you're like gone. We never know where you're at. And I'm like, well, I'm out looking for antlers and filming deer. But my favorite thing to do was to bring it back and hook up the audio video cables and show everybody because in my opinion they were missing out like i had to take this thing back and prove to them like what they're missing out on elk bugling in the camera antlers on the ground seeing rattlesnakes like filming everything in hopes that if i can inspire a buddy or two or a family member like maybe i'll get somebody to go with me right because i would do this all alone yeah that's that's really the core of like why i love to film is because I love to share mm. truly like deep down truly love to share content in hopes to inspire somebody to go enjoy these things that I felt like they were missing out on. They were so disconnected from the wildlife right around here in Salt Lake. 
So, you know, I was always a kid, like with the camera filming stuff. Again, you didn't really have any platform to share it. You just hook up the audio video cables to the VCR. I remember that like magical feeling of like, let's see what we got. And then clicking. Yeah. Rewind, you know, like I I still have these old tapes and like half of them I record over because I was broke and like (laughs) to get a five pack of like high eight videotape was like expensive. So I'd be like, well, I've shown everybody this shed, huh? Like I'll just film over it, you know? And I, man, I wish I didn't film over any of that stuff because I had some content that I wish I had, but it's all recorded over the top of. So I would say just from an early age, like I always wanted to have a hunting TV show. Like that was written in like middle school. The teacher gave us this, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And mine was like, want to have a hunting TV show. (laughs) Um, So that was like the goal. So continue to do content through different stages of my life. It it switched from like, once the internet came, um, you know, again, I still don't consider myself like some tech genius. I wish I had a camera on the wall, like fly on the wall to see like, somehow I got those high eight tapes onto YouTube. In 2006, I created my personal YouTube channel Mm. and YouTube had no shed antler content. Like you can get on there and I'd search, you know, elk antlers, shed antlers, and it just wasn't there. So my way to give to the community was to put mine on there to show people like shed antlers and, you know, connect with people in the community. So it went from like showing people on the TV to chat forums, um, they became really popular, like monster muleys and tines up was getting popular. You can put your pictures on there and then YouTube came, started pick, doing that. And then I partnered with some, uh, you know, friends of, of mine at the time and we did hunting DVDs. So I went through all the different stages. And again, you're always trying to figure out like, how can I make this a living? Right. And it was a struggle, right? Like it just, there's no money in DVDs. You have to sell a bazillion of them if you're ever going to make money. Yeah. Like I, I just never stopped. I just always try to figure out how to find a way to make money filming. And that usually was from guiding or filming for other people. So just being the cameraman, not necessarily being the hunter. And then I met my partner now, Casey at the hunt expo. So he came up to me and was like, Hey Eric, I really love your content. And at that time it was times up. He's like, I really think you guys should move your content to YouTube. I think it's the future of, you know, people consuming hunting and outdoor content. And uh, anyways, he's like, I make a living on YouTube and like light bulb. I'm like, you make a living on YouTube? Like, help me understand this. And at the time he had a family vlog channel and he was doing really, really well, like 500,000 subscribers. So he plants this seed in me that we need to do YouTube. And for a full calendar year, I start to analyze everything I watch on YouTube, different influencers in different areas, like makeup girls, like fitness guys at the gym, family vloggers, prank channels. And I just watched them just skyrocket in, you know, some of these channels in one year time, just blowing up. And I picked up on like, oh, they're, they're talking about the links in the description. They must be making some money. They're talking about use my discount code to get this energy drink or this makeup. <laughs> I caught onto that really quick. So a year from the day that Casey tells me like he makes a living on YouTube and this is like a thing, there was a whole year of him and I playing Facebook tag and never truly connecting. So fast forward to one year later at the hunting expo, K 
Casey came up to me again and he's like, Hey, Eric, you remember me? It's Casey. And I'm like, dude, for the, this last year, I have been like analyzing YouTube. I'm with you. I'm on board. This is the future. Like, please help me figure out how to like do it. So he's the one who kind of opened my eyes to the possibility of making a living on YouTube. So I started uploading videos at that time every single Tuesday. Cause he told me like, it's very important to have a schedule. So every Tuesday we did an episode called times up Tuesday. So it was really catchy. Like the hashtag was really popular on Instagram and I would put up a video every Tuesday. And I really believed in that, like authentic, raw, organic type of film uh, or vlog, I guess you'd call it. So I started putting up the vlogs of our trips at the time, knowing that th none of this content will make it to our DVDs. Cause those were like super fast paced, super like hype central highlight reel. Yeah. And man, the response from the viewers was great. And people started to recognize the times up Tuesday, you know, episodes and they started to be glued to every week coming, getting a new episode. So that partnership failed. We ended up splitting ways. We, you know, we didn't have the same vision, same goals, like just like a lot of partnerships do. You just yeah. go in different directions. But my vision was always like commit to YouTube, build a brand, build products, build apparel, and let's do that. So it didn't work with that, that partnership. So I just shifted to partner with Casey. So he had this channel called Hushin' with Levere. So it was his side, like side hustle passion project because he was still fully committed to the family channel. And so he, we partnered together and we had a movie premiere is how it started. I had the, the fireball hunt, which, you know, if people know what that is. Um, yeah. The first time I showed it to anybody, we showed it in a movie theater here in Utah and we sold out two showings. And that was the moment where him and I were like, dude, we have great energy together. We seem to have the same vision and goals and we, we value the YouTube platform. So we went full steam ahead on his Hushin with Levere channel, renamed it Hushin, and then brought me on as like talent and brought me on as a partner. So now here I am like suddenly in front of 70,000 subscribers and people are like, who's this guy? Like we're here for Casey. So it took a little while to kind of introduce myself, allow people to get to know me. And then I just started doing that channel like full time, putting on all the content we can. Me and Casey went on a ton of hunts. Um, our partner, Brian, was always in the mix. Even before me, he was in the mix with Casey on like branding deals and partnership deals. So he just stayed in engaged and started getting us deals and product deals at first. And long story short, we committed to YouTube. We put all our energy into that platform and that's when we started, you know, getting some really good sponsor deals and, and the uh, subscriber base just started to grow. And then we, we started uh, the handler logo, the fireball logo and our website started to increase and like just all history from there. But nice, that's man. the long story short on how I went from, you know, creating content, and uh, to where I am now, it's just, I still have that desire to create and share. And yeah. I think for anybody to really excel at this game, you know, whether it's podcasting, sharing YouTube, there's gotta be a piece inside of you that genuinely loves the process of capturing, editing and sharing. Cause if, when you don't have that, I've seen so many people start and fail because their goal was like, I want to make a living doing content, but they never had like a desire to, to create. They never yeah. had that desire to share. And so like looking back at where I was, I was like, I, I have that deep desire to share. Yeah. 
so no, that's awesome, at. man. Yeah, I mean, I heard someone say one time, like, um, I don't know if guys are listening who have kids. Maybe you've experienced this with with kids before, but like, you know, if they're watching a cartoon or something, uh, and they see a part they really like, they're like, "Come, come look at this! Come look at this!" They want you to see it because, like, as humans, like our joy is made complete when we share what we love with somebody else. Like, it's just mm-hmm. not quite as cool if you're sitting there like, "Yeah, this is cool." But if you're yeah. like, hey, come check this out. Like, look at this. Like, that just makes it complete, you know? Yeah, that's that's a big part of, you know, a lot of people ask, let's say, like a couple years ago, someone asked me, Eric, do you ever get sick of filming your hunts? I was like, nobody's ever asked me that. Like, let me think. Like, I had to, <laughs> like, let me think about that. I mean, the first answer was no, but I was like, let me sit on that for a minute. And the reality of it is, I don't know any other way Mm. from the moment I stepped foot from the moment I became a hunter and shot my first animal. I always documented. So the idea of going to the woods, whether to shed hunt or to hunt in my reality, it, there is not, there's not an option of not doing it. Mm -hmm. Like I don't even like it. It sounds so weird. If you're like, Eric, we are going to like send you in the hills on this epic hunt, but we're going to take <laughs> away every device and you're never going to be able to capture it. I'd be like, that's weird. Like I'm handcuffed. I, why do I feel like I'm not, I'm not going to get the full experience. I'm not going to get the full joy out of this because I'm not going to be able to bring it back to show anybody or share. And so when he asked me that my reply was like, I don't know any other way. Yeah. I really don't know what it's like to not film my hunt. Yeah. And honestly, like, there's a lot of guys now, I feel like, that are kind of haters, like, oh, you just do this to, like, you know, say, look at me, look at me, or whatever. Um, but the the reality is, is, like, you know, going back to what we said earlier about, like, sharing it makes your joy complete. But also, this is something I um, was talking to Adam Foss about, is, like, um, sharing hunts is not new. Like, literally storytelling and art from the Mm -hmm. beginning of human history a lot of it was centered if you look at petroglyphs and caves they're paintings of people hunting and like that was such a like integral part of storytelling as humans as early humans was guys going on hunts and coming back and sharing their experiences and their stories and you can't Mm -hmm. you can't unlink the two this is just the modern way of doing it yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, look at how it has evolved over time from like the petroglyphs, the early like paintings or carvings or, or whatever to like sitting around a campfire and just yeah. telling the few people you had access to then. And I mean, that's everybody's favorite thing is to sit around the campfire and tell stories. Yeah. You know, and I've even, I, I took a lighting class one time, sorry to interrupt you, but um, they said like all, all cinematography, cinematograph I don't know how you say that cinematographic I don't even know if that's a word but anyway all cinematography lighting is originally based on a human face around a campfire oh yeah that's where it like (laughs) started or that's like how I don't I don't remember how it was phrased and I remember I just it sticks out in this like pamphlet I was reading about how the way that you know like a key light is put onto a face is based off of that look of a human sitting yeah. in a campfire, how it's kind of one-sided, yeah. Um, yeah. one side's dark kind of thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, well, 
that storytelling, like it's, it's going to evolve and adapt and, you know, look at where it's come now from, you know, even in my lifetime, like plugging into the TV to these social platforms to YouTube and the audience just continues to grow. Right. We used to like sit and tell a story to five people at the campfire or share some pictures on a chat forum and that small community got it. And then the thing I loved about YouTube that Casey taught me was like, Hey, there is this audience on YouTube that, the industry doesn't have access to, right? Cause like hunting magazines, you are speaking to your subscribers, mm-hmm. TV shows, you are speaking to those people who chose to be on the channel, which, you know, most people who are cruising that are not hunters aren't going to like stop there. Maybe there's a small percentage of people who are like, Ooh, this is interesting. But suddenly on YouTube, I started getting a lot of comments of like, Hey, look, I don't even hunt guys, but I'm glued to this. Yeah. I don't even hunt, but like, I want to now. And yeah. it was like, Holy cow, we are introducing hunting and the outdoor lifestyle to a whole new audience of eyeballs that have never seen it, that maybe somehow found a video, but like can't stop watching. And for us, that's why it was so important to like introduce new hunters and new anglers into to the outdoor space. Yeah. And YouTube has provided that all the social platforms have. Yeah. Or the only exposure they have to hunting is like Hollywood showing them, which is always completely awful and wrong. But um, you mentioned like, you know, having that vision, even as a kid and like knowing, I think, um, you're very blessed to have had that, you know, I think looking back on my childhood and what I used to do for fun, it's funny because I was, I heard so much of myself in your story. Like I was always a kid. I, my first pet was a king snake or I mean, before that I had lizards and frogs and I had a Florida king snake. Um, I was, at a very young age, actually, I have the shed over here in this pile. Someone gave it to me, and I was just fascinated by this thing and was, like, playing with it. Yeah. I would, like, put it on my head and, like, try to fight my friends with it. Like, just, like, it was fascinating. Um, and then even to making videos and stuff um, and little radio shows and stuff like that. So looking back, like, I, I had these things in me. It's always been a part of me. And, you know, even to watch, like, Discovery Channel was my thing. Like I, on Saturday mm-hmm. mornings I was watching in discovery, not cartoons. I mean, I probably watched some cartoons, but, um, I love that stuff. So, but I didn't know, I didn't have the vision or at least, I don't know if it was just confused or didn't know. You know, I went through different kind of things to try to like finally get to where I am now and not that I've arrived or anything, but I, I, I figured out what I want to do and where I want to go. Um, but it seems like you had that from a young age, but at the same time, that doesn't mean it's always easy, especially in a creative field. Um, you know, you always hear the, the starving artist and at the end of the day, we're hunters, but we're also artists as content creators. Um, yeah. so, and, and there's always more, there's more resistance, um, to doing this kind of stuff for whatever reason. Um, I guess maybe it's just a lot of people want to do awesome stuff and it just <laughs> makes it hard. I don't know what it is, but, um, it's it, a lot of times it feels like you're swimming upstream. Um, so, but was there ever a time in your journey where, um, you almost gave up because I remember actually it's been only about a year or two ago. Um, I was, I was going to get into law enforcement actually. Um, and shout out to law enforcement. That's amazing. I respect you guys big time, but I'd done the physical testing, and everything and like did really well on it. And they were kind of like trying to get me in and it was a steady job, you know, it was kind of a respectable thing, whatever. And, um, and I remember talking to my dad and I was just like, man, like, 
it would be really cool to be a cop and, you know, do SWAT and all that cool stuff. But I was like, something like I just have this, I'm just not ready to give up the dream yet. And my wife was like, like, what's your dream? What would you do? And I was like, hunting show. Boom. Yeah. And she was like, do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, but was there, was there ever a point where you almost gave up and you just had to keep going or have you always just been like full steam ahead? Well, I'll share a couple experiences that kind of stand out when you say that. I, I, I wouldn't say I, I ever gave up. Like I was like I was ever ready to be like, this is not an option. I must like divert and do something else. Re- no matter what or where I was, it was always going to be something, whether it was a side hustle, whether it was just something I can do in my free time because I needed that outlet. I needed that creative outlet to fulfill me. So it was never like just stop doing, but there was definitely moments where I was like, this is not – this may not provide me a steady income that can support a family. So going back to like a couple like conversations that stick out to me is like the first one, I just remember my sister having a conversation with my little sister and she was going to college to be a registered nurse. Mm. So we all know, like when you get to that out of high school stage, you start searching, you start searching the list of professions and careers and like what they make. Right. And so we're always trying to like, for me, it was always like, Oh, these top things at the top, like lawyer, doctor, like they make the most. Right. And then like the bottoms were like just average, you know, jobs, retail or whatever. Then in between there was plumbing and different trades and photographer was very low. I remember didn't make a lot of income. So I just remember being like, why do none of my interests, all my interests are down here Yeah. at the 30 grand and the 20 grand. Like, why are they, you know, none of my interests equal up here. So I was right. very jealous that my sister knew she wanted to help people. She loved to help people and she was going to go be a nurse. And I was very jealous that like the things she loved and made her fulfilled equaled a lot of money. Yeah. I was like, the things like I go, I want shed hunter isn't even on this list. Like, <laughs> if it was, it'd probably be in the negative dollars <laughs> for the gas and all that. So I just remember being like, why doesn't the thing that I love provide, you know, at least on the paper, like an income. Yeah. I was like, dang it. Like, it's like a curse. It's like a good and a bad thing. It's like, I have this, this thing I want to do, but unfortunately it like doesn't make any money. So that was like the first conversation where I was like, man, what a drag where like my passion just doesn't equal an income Yeah. that, 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 that plants that seed in you. Like, it's just not possible. And you're looking at the statistics and the analytics, like not many hunters like make a good living. So it was never like I needed to be super rich, but it's like, of course you want to be able to provide and, and have like, you know, good life. Sure. So that was one of those moments where I'm just like, dang it. My sister's so lucky. Like I'm not, I'm just stuck with this. Like I'm addicted to antlers, but being addicted to antlers doesn't create money. Yeah, <laughs> That's a bummer. So again, it's not that it stopped me. You still do it. Continue on. I'd say one of the pivotal moments was being in a relationship where the, the girlfriend I had at the time started to come at me with these very deep questions. Like what's your five-year plan? Like, can will hunting will this thing you're doing ever be able to support us and a family with kids and start planting these seeds in your head where you're like i don't know maybe you're right i haven't really thought about it and a couple of thoughts i had and again no disrespect to anybody but i was like am i gonna be the 55 year old 
gentlemen waiting tables at Denny's at midnight just to make ends meet. Mm. And I'd sit there and think like, sometimes I'd be like, it sure seems like it's going that way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm dude, I, I didn't make any money until I was like in my early thirties. I'm talking bare minimum, these summer jobs and these jobs I'd get just for a short period of time, I would manage my money good and just get through the years. So it's not that I ever was going to quit. I never, that was never an option. Um, but you had those moments of like wondering, like, can I make this happen? For sure. And you start to believe, or at least, you know, it's in your head of like, it's probably not going to happen. Like what's plan B. And, you know, I always knew I love fitness. I can go sell gym memberships. I always seem to do really good at any sales job, any commission or performance-based job, I always did really well at because I was working hard, kind of had that attitude. If like, if I'm here for eight hours, I might as well make the best of it and make the most money and have a positive attitude. Yeah. yeah there was definitely times where I just, I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to be possible. And that's the thing is there's no blueprint for any of us, right? Like right. if you want to be a doctor, it's like, dude, here's how you become a doctor. Like, you know, go to school, like take X, Y, Z classes to, and you do that. Yeah. Or all these professions, like there's a step-by-step -step process to, to make this, you know, type of income. And in our space, you know, content creation, one, it wasn't even possible before in my early stage, like social media and content wasn't even a thing. And two, there's no blueprint. Like right. all of us collectively now could probably like create one and kind of say like, this is what's worked for us. But still to this day there, I can't just hands, you know, any of my friends, like the, the, the perfect blueprint that, that guarantees success. Right. I can give you what we call the, the blue, like the, the blueprint and you can do your best to make it your own and like grind, but everybody's level of success is going to vary based off their likability, their personality, like a lot of factors come into play where those don't come into play over here at like doctor, lawyer, like it's just, you can kind of like achieve the steps and like get there. Yeah or learn how to become a plumber and like get the plumbing job. And this is just so different. There's so many variables. Um, but yeah, I never, I never, I never gave up like creating and sharing content will just be with me forever and ever. Yeah, man. That's so good. Um, yeah, I heard, well, Brian call said to me one time, he said, um, I'd rather be, what do you say? I'd rather be smiling in a Camry than crying in a Porsche. Mm -hmm. That's, that's kind of always been me, man. Like, um, you know, I, my family was pretty fortunate, like growing up. And so I never was super attracted to money. I mean, I, you know, of course, like, you know, everybody wants to not be broke, but, um, yeah. to me, like I would rather make less money and do what I love and get fulfillment out of life and have these awesome stories to tell when I'm old than be like, and again, no, no disrespect to anybody out there, but then, but then just to be like, yeah, I, you know, I went to law school and I was a lawyer or whatever. And I'm sure being a lawyer can be really exciting too, but you know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. I would rather kind of struggle and try and do cool stuff. What, at least what I think is cool. Um, and, and sacrifice, you know, cause I could have gone to law school like, uh, if I wanted to, um, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's pretty wild. The early stages of hush, I just felt like 
at the time I remember being, I remember telling my close friends, you know, I don't share a lot of this stuff with many people, but I was like, dude, I feel like I'm living a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle, even though I'm not making a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Like, yes. Like one, I'm making the income I can and it's good. And then on top of that, you know, our business pays for a trip to Hawaii, that elk hunt in New Mexico. So like, yeah, I'm like, there's not a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and in, in income, right. but like, because I'm, because this is now my job and these things are now tax write-offs and the company needs to invest in my content, I feel like I'm making a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle. You know, it's like you're living richly, even though you're not <laughs> rich, you're living richly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, that was fun. I would tell my friends too, like, dude, you got to get on this. Like, you know, you might only make 40 grand, but like you're living a triple digit lifestyle. And that's how I even felt for our, my, our employees. Yeah. I uh, love everyone that we've worked with. And I'm always like, maybe they weren't making, you know, that much, but they were still going on these fun trips with us, like sometimes getting a hunt in on some of them. So I was like, even try to like show them like, dude, you're living like, you're living a hundred thousand dollar lifestyle mm-hmm. because like we get to do what we love for work. Yeah, man. So good. Just super cool. Um, so what would you say to guys out there who maybe it's not content creation, but it's something else or a different business or launching a product or whatever. Like what would be kind of your advice to those guys that are, you know, maybe they're comfortable where they're at making pretty good money, but um, kind of contemplating, you know, taking that leap. What would you say to those guys? Well, I would say, that like right now still is like the best time to go digital, to get an online product, whether it's, you know, an e-commerce store, um, for anybody who's got ideas, I think digital products are the next best thing. So, you know, courses, um, downloadable products. (laughs) Um, but yeah, for anybody who's wanting to even just start a side hustle, I just think, you've, if you have a burning desire in you and I know not everybody does, but like my friends will tell you, like, like even at work, Eric is just thinking about hunting, thinking about hunting, thinking about hunting. And there's this desire to go fulfill this, this thought, this vision. So if there's anybody out there who's like got that in them where they're at work or in their current position, whatever it may be, if there's something inside of you that you think about nonstop that you just can't let go of, you got to make a plan on how to take action. Yeah. We'll feel that and find out for yourself, like what it means to go pursue that. Some of the biggest companies start out by a pure accident. They start out with someone like put out an idea, put out some gimmick product, and then all of a sudden they blow up. Now I'd say for anybody um, being financially smart about the process is like key. Uh, for myself, I always was very strong, passionate about staying debt free. I had a couple financial jobs where I had to deal with people all day, every day who had no end in sight to get out of their debt. So like be smart about it, make a, a financial plan to get yourself in a position to take a risk. That's not going to like crush everything. Yeah. Um, a lot of people need to like, I, I, I really do go back and forth. on like, dude, go all in, quit your job, go hundred percent in and then telling someone to like, just start a side hustle. Now that's the smartest way is like outside of work, spend an hour or two on this side hustle, yeah. start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, build a product, learn how to launch a Shopify website. Yeah. But I would just tell anybody if, if you have it, that desire to pursue something, you have to do it or else you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. 
and you're going to live in regret. And that's one thing that a lot of people that they've surveyed that are really old, like, like most people just regret that they didn't like take that chance in life. And that could, you know, business or relationships or whatever, but they never took the risk. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, man. That's something that I remember even as a child, really having this strong sense of me of like, um, I don't want to get to be old and have regrets that I didn't go for this or try this or, um, it's just, it's not worth it. You only live once. So, um, so that's all good, man. I want to ask you one more question. I never come up on time. I want to respect your time, but, um, I'm see- fine, dude. we can, we can keep going just so you okay. know, like, I'm good. I <laughs> oh, appreciate it, man. Um, you, you seem like, um, really positive dude and like um just i don't know really positive and i'm just wondering are you do you consider yourself a spiritual person does faith play an aspect in your life at all of any type that's the one area that i'm always like i need to put more energy in that like i really i don't know let me see how to say this like that's always the one thing that i like i have that desire to learn more and like improve in that area of my life. So honestly, like my family, I never went to church. You know, I grew up in Utah that I would, you know, was dominant like LDS culture, Mormon mm-hmm. culture. And I think that kind of pushed me away from the idea of church or religion or going to something because I was the non-member who had good core values, good character but was always judged because i didn't have the title of being mormon yeah so i always struggle with that because like i did come from the family in the neighborhood my parents did drink my parents had parties my parents smoked cigarettes and with that i was instantly in this mormon culture here the target like you're instantly like you're the outcast Mm. so that was that was like a weird stage in life to like move from California to Utah and suddenly I'm in this LDS culture and for yeah. me it was a little bit of a bad experience because I'm like I know I'm a good person with good like intentions and morals and values but like you guys are judging me just simply because I don't have the title of Mormon right um, but spiritually like that is one thing I want to continue to grow and learn in sure my grandpa who he's not my biological grandpa, but his name was Tito. He's my step grandpa. I never met my real grandpa. Mm. He died in the Vietnam war, Mm. but Tito was kind of the, you know, he was that one guy in my life that like took me fishing, took me hunting and taught me about the Bible and Jesus. And since he's passed away, like there's been like, it's not been there. He is strong. And like, I've never had, the desire to pursue him on my own to learn more. Yeah. And I don't know why, like it, again, it, inside me, it's that thing where I like want to grow and learn and do, but I don't do it. Like it's that one thing that's like, you know, you should do it. You want to do it. You love the feeling when you do it, but you, I don't do it. But at the same time, I've always been like the outdoors is my church. You know, like I was always the kid who left on Sunday to go straight to the mountains. And that's where I felt the most spiritual. That's where I felt the most grounded. Um, but yeah, going back to the question, the positivity, like I'm just wired that way. And that's what I've learned growing up. Me and my brother, both like me and my brother and my sister, the, the, the thing we would get from other people is like, why are you so happy? 
It's like, <laughs> isn't this how you feel? Like, I didn't realize that other people didn't have just like optimism. I didn't realize that most people weren't happy every morning they woke up. Mm. And now that as I get older, I start to realize like, wow, you know, a lot of people unfortunately struggle with like, they have a negative outlook on their themselves. They have limited beliefs on themselves. They don't feel like they're good enough. The more I learn about this, I'm just very, very grateful. And I feel very lucky to be wired differently. To me, it's the glass is half full. How can I fill it up? I'm dang positive. I'm pretty optimistic. Like I'm very lucky that those are, that's just how I am wired. Yeah. And, and it's not like I, and outside of that, I do things to help maintain that now, you know, like sure. I put myself through a self-development course. I love the motivational speeches on YouTube. I'll, I'll listen to those at the gym. So yeah, that's just kind of lucky yeah. for me. That's just the way I am. That's awesome, man. Well, I definitely see, you know, I see the hand of God on your life. I mean, I feel like you're a blessed dude, like just knowing, you know, your vision from the beginning and, um, and kind of being able to make that a reality. I think I was, I was listening to one of y'all's podcasts about building hush. And one of the things you guys kept going back to was things happen for a reason. And, mm -hmm. um, and to me, that's, that's God. And, you know, um, you know, it, it kind of stinks that you were in that environment where you were judged. And, you know, I have a lot of LDS friends and, um, they're great people. Um, I do think that's kind of one of the downsides of that faith is it seems very legalistic to me and very works oriented and kind of, uh, and that kind of stuff. But, um, but anyway, man, um, I definitely think you're a blessed dude and, um, I would encourage you to, uh, to explore more. Yeah. I, that's, that's like, you know, they got all the buckets of life, right? Like spiritual and, and then we have finance, we have family, we have fitness, health, mental health. And like the, the spiritual bucket is just like the one where I look at it and I'm like, I want that, but like, I don't even know where to start. Mm. Yeah, you well, um, I would start in the Bible. <laughs> no, I mean, like, no, I mean that, that sounded like a that sounded like a jerky answer, but no, I mean, um, yeah, uh, we could talk more about it if you wanted to, but um, I, I kind of approached it how I've seen spiritual growth in my life was I approached it a lot like physical growth, which I know you know a ton about, um, mm -hmm. which is. Um, it can be kind of this weird ethereal thing that you don't really know how to like start. Um, I'm actually been working on a book, which I've kind of sidelined for a little bit, but it's called a spiritual fitness program because a lot of people I found want to grow spiritually, but don't know how, um, yeah. but you can, there's a way you can approach it just like physical fitness where you, it's just discipline and consistency. What for me, it started <laughs> with, I wake up five or 10 minutes earlier than I normally did and spend a few minutes praying. And sometimes that's just meditation um, or listening prayer or whatever. And then, you know, pepper in some, uh, reading the Bible, um, you know, starting, um, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. and just, uh, just kind of being open and asking God, Hey, show me who you are, show me how to grow more, you know, and, um, and just being open and just kind of being intentional about that growth is something that helped me. So I don't know. Anyway, that'd be cool. It's like that bucket of life where it's like, I can speak to like, how do you start a business? And I can give you those first steps. And then it's like, I am the guy who like needs to hear from someone like you who, who can say like, Hey, you know, this is how you take the first action steps to begin to learn. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a wide open to it all, you know? Cool, man. 
Well, that's that's a good place to start, and maybe I can share some stuff with you. Like, I can send you some stuff or something if you're interested. You can take a look, but um, but yeah, I think openness is is a good place to start, and um, and it sounds like you're you're on the right on the right track. So, my mom sent me like the cutest text one day. I wish I had it so I can read it verbatim, but. <laughs> You know, my parents are very proud of me of like chasing this dream and, and, and doing this, this thing because they've, they've seen it start to finish. They've just yeah. seen me grow. And my mom sent me a text one day, random, like, Eric, you know, I always thought you were going to be a, a pastor. I think that's the word she used. I don't know what other words like are like that. Preacher. preacher. Yeah. I always thought you'd be a preacher. She's like, but in some ways you are. And I was like, Oh, like, that's so nice, mom. Like I, like I get what you mean. Like I have this big audience, this big platform, and really I'm spreading that message of like positive and be a good person and help others. And she's like, so in some ways you are. And I was like, man, that's just like such a meaningful text that I would have never expected to come from my mom. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, I definitely see like the light in you, um, you know, through your positivity and just like your um, your outlook on life. So I think you're you're heading in the right direction, man. So. I encourage you to, you know, maybe explore some more, but I think you're, yeah. you're doing good. Well, thank man. you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah, I, got, I got a question. Sure. It's kind of going back to what you told me. I think you, you had told me like you were in the outdoor TV space or uh, filming for a show. Well, I was, but it wasn't outdoor. I was actually, oh. I started off as a cameraman for, you may not have even heard of it, but it's a show called the 700 club. Have you heard of that show? Mm. It's um you probably have you heard of Pat Robertson? He's like I don't know, a lot of people rag on him. He's like a old school kind of televangelist, but he's actually kind of one of the good ones, I think. Um but it's a it's a Christian um it's kind of like um how do you say it's like a news magazine type show where it's like two hosts in a studio and they they do different segments. Um, but they had these um, segments they call features, which are like five to seven minute long documentary style features about someone's life. And it's usually like they were a drug addict and they got mm-hmm. saved and got clean or they went to jail or, you know, just crazy interesting stories that have uh, God involved. And um, so, yeah, I started off with them and we would go, uh, we would travel about two or three weeks of the month we would go travel and do three stories in a location we'd go to their house set up interviews film it so I, I was a cameraman for like two years for that and then I became a producer where I would actually go and interview the people and write the script edit it all the whole thing um, so that's that's kind of where I got my professional background in, in production cool. but when I was younger before that I did um, start off with some local guys around me that were um it's you can still find on instagram um a buddy of mine named max flowers he's still doing it's called swamp wreck and his thing is free diving and duck hunting and so i started off with them with the old i can't remember what it was old sony you know the tapes in it and um i think it was fx7 sony fx7 and you could buy it with a cool kit with, like, camo stickers to go yeah. on there. And we would just go out in the beaver swamps, man, and shoot duck hunting films. And um, so ended up kind of breaking away from that and, and going into the CBN stuff and then kind of coming full circle back into it. So 
Mm-hmm. Well, that uh, the reason I brought that up is I wanted to ask you, like, for yourself, and because I, I want to learn a little more about your story. At what moment for you did you see the shift in digital content? Were you like, this is the future? Like, oh my gosh, like I'm, you know, at what moment and what was it that that made you see, like, wow, podcasts are banging, like YouTube is banging, like I want in on this or I want to commit yeah. to that? Oh, uh, it's kind of interesting because. When I was at CBN, um, there was this huge thing because they're a traditional TV show on traditional TV, right? Um, And that was, I think, 2000, I think I started working there in 2013, 2012. And that's when, you know, all the, that's when, like, it really started, you know, all the, like, major news channels and, like, it's going digital was mainstream, you know, it's like, there was all this talk of how do we, um, how do we get content to digital and how do we step up our digital presence? And, um, for them, it was very hard because their cash cow was a TV show and you can't mess with the cash cow. You got to leave it, but you got to figure out ways to also come into the digital space. So that's, um, you know, I, I was never really personally that big of a YouTube consumer. And for a long time, I remember being like, what is a podcast? I had no idea like what a podcast was. Um, but then, so I was in that world and I saw like in the corporate culture of this company, them trying to figure out like, how do we get in on this digital stuff? And like, this is the future. And it became very clear that that was the future. And, and even just my own content consumption habits, I'm like, dude, I haven't had cable since college. Like we stream, like that's what, mm. like nobody has cable anymore. Um, yeah. and so that's kind of when I, I realized it. And then, um, when I really got into podcasts was, um, when I started, when I went, well, when I got invited on my first like DIY Western hunt, I realized how much I needed to learn about backpacking, you know, Western hunting, everything, physical fitness, everything. And so I really, found podcasts at that point and just dove in and started just just consuming 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 and learned so much and then i got back off that trip and um and realized you know that um i wanted to share i wanted to do this i wanted to and i felt like i could have a little bit of a unique voice in the space by addressing the spiritual issue because i noticed mm-hmm. a lot of guys like you know your dan statens or adam weatherby's or um you know, other guys I'm not thinking about right now that were believers. And a lot of the content that I really gravitated towards was like the mental toughness stuff and like the almost like self-help and motivational kind of stuff. That's what I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Like you're weaving hunting into like health and mental health. And I was like, this is awesome. I really love that stuff. And I was kind of going through a personal rebirth on my own, um, long story. But so I was like, if I could weave in the spiritual aspect, cause I believe we're triune beings, we're spirit, soul, and body. And, you know, in the hunting space, there's a lot of talk about physical fitness and there's a lot of talk about mental toughness, but I wasn't hearing anything about the spiritual side of things. And I think that's a really important component. So I was like, if I can weave all three of these things together and be a cool hunting show at the same time, that could be really cool. So that's, that's when I started to get into podcasting. That's the long answer to a short question. (laughs) Yeah. No, interesting. That's cool. I always am curious to see like, what, when did somebody like, see the shift and you know when did they decide like oh i want to commit yeah. to that i enjoy that want to kind of ride that wave yeah and you guys hit it hit it like 
an amazing time. And I think there's a lot of people who, you know, myself included, I'll have those voices like, oh, you know, you're too late to the game. Like, you know, you've been grinding for a year and you have like 500 YouTube followers. Like, what are you doing? Um, but, you know, a, a saying that I always stuck with me was like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time yeah. is now. <laughs> so yeah. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to start. And so I did like kind of you said, I kept my full-time job. And I started the podcast. I did it for about a year and saw really good traction. And then I was able to kind of engineer a situation where I was able to kind of go into this full time for a period with some kind of startup funds and uh, and kind of go at it 100% and see if I can uh, make it sustaining in the next year and a half or two. So that's I'm just kind of grinding it out, trying to make it work, man. That's all you can do. One of the things I always like to tell anybody who's looking to start or is starting now, like you said, a lot of people feel, oh, it's saturated, like there's no room for me. But just as a reminder for everybody out there, we all start at zero, mm -hmm. you know, and like that's just something I think everyone should consider is like we all, even those of us who are, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, subscribers or whatever, we all had to start at the number zero. And you're the, you know, those new people are the exact same and they have to go through those building phases. For sure. So, yeah, and there's room for everybody, man. Like that was our first thing. That's what I really enjoy about the social media in general is I feel like there's no competition. And the more eyeballs we bring to these platforms, like you get your audience, right? I get my audience and we like show them podcasts, we show them YouTube and we bring more eyeballs to these platforms. It's just better for everybody. For sure. Yeah, and I've been I've been really really positively uh, encouraged by just this community. I mean, even when I was literally just starting out, I mean, big name guys would would agree to come on my podcast, and I was yeah. literally a nobody. I still am, but like even more of a nobody than I am now. And people will be like, "Yeah, man, sure, you know, I'll come on." I think only like one or two guys have said no. Uh, two guys have said no that have been too busy or whatever, and that's fine. But Almost yeah. everybody is like, yeah, sure, man, I'll come on. So it's been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. For me, it's um, like I have such a deep passion for filming, sharing, like going out to document like the in the moment action. I, people who are like, you should start a podcast. My first thing is like, I don't love that, though. You know, I like, yes, I understand I can do it. And hey, maybe I might be able to generate some money and I'm not like pushing it out of forever yeah but i'm like i don't love it but i found myself once i get on like right now once i get on and we talk about things i'm passionate about i just i can go yeah but my first reaction my first reaction to a podcast to be honest is kind of like i don't i don't know man i don't really enjoy it but then yeah. as soon as i get on just like right now we've been on for over an hour and we could probably go for two more and still feel like, dude, we didn't cover everything. We have yeah. more to talk about. So like I enjoy podcasting and uh, we've started one, the Hush Life podcast. It, it kind of came out of the whole quarantine thing when, you know, yeah. more of us weren't traveling, but podcasting's fun. And I can see that people truly, truly enjoy that audio, you know, detailed stories, in-depth conversation. And yeah. Um, it's kind of opened my eyes to like, there is a huge audience of podcasters. Cause when I meet someone who, who loves podcasts, they, they just, they truly are podcasts. And I feel like we all kind of have the platform we love. I'm a YouTuber. I'm a visual, yeah. like want to see it, but man, the people who love podcasts, like love, love, love them and consume <laughs> the crap out of them. Yeah.
listen at work. They can listen at their long drives. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely a, it's definitely a great platform to, uh, to storytell and, and, you know, have good, good conversation. So yeah. I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, man. I appreciate you making time for me. And the other thing about the podcast that I love too, is like, so we're creating content right now. I'll put this on my YouTube and have a podcast, but, um, at the same time, like I'm getting to know you, like if I was just to be like, Hey Eric, can I, well, you might, cause you're a nice guy. You might just have an hour long conversation on the phone with me, but, um, you know, not everyone will do that. But if, if you have a platform kind of, um, you know, you're getting to know people I'm networking. So like this last year I went to the expo and I'd been podcasting for about a year. So, I mean, I had built up like probably 50 or 60 guys, like in lo- some of them pretty well-known guys that I'd had an hour, hour and a half long conversation with, would recognize me, would know who I am, that I could go up and, and talk to them in person at the expo. And so you're like, you're networking and you're making new yeah. friends. And I'm out here on the East Coast. I don't have access to like, you know, a ton of Western hunters and guys. So I'm still learning. So just like having these conversations with guys and learning for myself and then being able to share that is, is just good for everybody. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I'd love to do a follow-up podcast at some point, you know, sure. uh, we can, there's so much to talk about. That's what's cool is like <laughs> at this point, you know, we've always been able to talk about a little bit about our startup history, but man, we've got story time. We got hunts. I watched your uh, hunting film on YouTube. Oh, you did? This morning. We, yeah, I would love to dive into that. That's something I've never did been like able it? to experience. Oh yeah, dude. The video was awesome. Cool. That double at the end was money, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but like I've always said that. And if you watch our content enough, you probably heard this line, but I truly believe that the last day is better than the first. Mm-hmm. And as I watched your film, right? Like we, we go into these hunts and like day one, day two, however many days we're like collecting data. We're like really absorbing, you know, the sign where they're at, what sides of the Hills are they betting on? And you're really in taking all this stuff. And even though the last day sometimes can be stressful and you guys voice that you kind of said, like we were down in the dumps, like it's last day. (laughs) Then look what happened. You know, you took all that knowledge and experience into that very last day, end up shooting a double, which was, freaking sweet like yeah that that my buddies was a monster wasn't it (laughs) yeah like i don't know blacktail very well either but as soon as he pulled it out of the brush like i know enough to be like that's a giant and then you had the little fun fact down there to yeah kind of put perspective just how big it was but that was yeah people were people were stopping him in the airport like alaskans were like stopping him getting pictures and like when we were cleaning our deer back when we got back home we were at the public like landing fish cleaning station like cleaning them and like locals were like coming up and like calling other people and people were like coming up to look at the deer and stuff um it was cool, man. So thanks for watching. Yeah, I was listening to y'all's podcast, and you were talking about how you're a big consumer, and I was like, dude, I bet you if I send him this video, he'll actually watch it. So. Yeah, I love films like that. Like, you know, we're able to share experiences like that that many of us will never get. Yeah. You know, but this, like a film like that, to me, like the adventure, the friendship, the scenery, like it's just, you know, being able to film out there where you're you're not concerned about backgrounds, like I, uh, so much of my video is like tight shot, like filming from above. Yeah. So you can't see these popular peaks in the back to give away where I'm hunting or antler hunting. Yep. But when you go do those projects and you're able to just really give people the, the big picture, right? Like look at this land. And, and to me it was, 
it was the camaraderie, the friendship, the adventure, the land and the experiences and the animals. And yeah, it was just, those are the kind of films like I really, really like. They're a mixture of like vlog, raw with like really professional cinematic B-roll. Like you guys did a great job on the B-roll and the overlay and the talking, your eyes engaged and and your ears engaged at certain moments and, and let sometimes like the natural sounds just, you know, get like the, the sound of the streams that you guys were crossing. So yeah, like the film was awesome. The The ending is just like cherry on the top, you know? Oh dude, I appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you and thanks for watching, man. Yeah. I, I worked hard on that thing. Yeah. I filmed it. I edited it. I did everything. Um, so I had a lot of fun with that. And so, yeah, that means a lot to hear you say that, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Really. I just it. submitted it to the, uh, Western Hunter film festival. So we'll see if, um, I don't know. It's a newer film festival, but um, anyway, um, I had a lot of fun putting that together. And that's it's one of those things, like like you said, like editing can be hard, but when it's you know this footage that you love and you had a great time, and I definitely know what you mean about because I went out to in January to hunt with with Brian and Brad in Arizona, and I was just like you know just shooting everything, and they're like, no, 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 <laughs> don't show that mountain, like they can't, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like that's, that's the struggle of like Western public land is yeah. And, you know, it's a double-edged sword. A lot of people ask, like, you know, doesn't it suck that, you know, your spots get found? And I'm like, yeah, it does. But you know what? Like, I have this message to show people and tell people and help motivate and inspire people to get outdoors. And so if if that's the give and take is, like, you know, someone might see where I shot that buck or they might recognize where my truck was parked. If I got to sacrifice that to spread the message, then I'm okay with that. And plus, again, with my availability and freedom, lucky for me, like if that spot, you know, gets hunted, like I just move on. Like I'm constantly like looking for the next best canyon to hunt deer, the next best elk spot or shed antler. So I'm moving, you know, if you you want (laughs) to find where I'm going, you're going to have to be on your toes too. But it is kind of a double-edged sword out here in the West because we do rely on our public land so much. And as soon as someone recognizes a background, you got people chewing me out because that's their canyon too. That's their mountain range. And then you got people trying to like find out where your truck was parked. <laughs> so it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, I hear you, man. But we'll just keep doing what we do because we love it. And, um, you know, just got to deal with that stuff. But, you know, it's first-world problems. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like, that's, like that's what I'm going to sit and stress about and worry about is – who might find where I found an elk antler? Like, guess what? It's gone. <laughs> one, it's gone. Two, like next year there may not be there anyway. So it's, yeah, for sure. you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over it all. Yeah. Well, dude, yeah, I'd love to, uh, to link up again sometime and do another one, get into more specifics about hunting and stuff, but I just enjoy yeah. talking about the journey and, and getting to know you a little bit. Cool. Yeah, it sounds good. Let's let's connect and maybe dive into you know some of our let's compare and contrast maybe some of our early hunts or something. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. I got I got a full schedule of uh, of hunts and and films I'm hoping to make this year. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a busy but good year. Speaking yeah, of which, same. you got some cool plans lined up this this fall. Yeah. The the big thing for me is this is the first year. So I've been, I've been 
very successful on my elk hunts all across the board from like the easiest tags to get over the counter to like my limited entry tags. Like I've just had really good success with elk. Yeah. I saw here. some of y'all's mounts at the expo. I was like, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, elk is my favorite, but this year, like coming out of the season, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put more time in a deer. And what that meant to me was like, mule deer here at home mule deer in the west like coos deer whitetail like go do some whitetail hunts i've never hit that november rattling antler like grunting deer i've never seen uh, like that's my goal is like i want to see that from a tree stand so the first year that i like kind of commit to pull back on elk and go pursue deer i just start drawing these elk tags (laughs) of course this is unreal so the big goal for me and uh you know for anybody out there who would love to follow the journey i'm calling it five for five and i've got five out tags in five states and this just doesn't happen and i've been so lucky because these hunts don't overlap typically if you're trying to kill a bunch of elk it's like you better do it in september october because all the seasons are this state to state but i have um as early as september and as late as a late December rifle hunt. So now I have five tags in five states and I've never been in this position. And my goal is to like truly, like truly put effort into every single one of them. And I have a variety of fun tags and I'll explain it through the season as it unfolds. I have the easiest tag you can ever get, which is you can go buy it at Walmart. And I have some of the greatest tags that you have to draw out. And I was lucky enough to draw these tags and I have some in between. So as the season unfolds, I want to really tell people like, Hey, here's this hunt. This is OTC. Anybody can do it. And here's my strategy and here's why. And then I'll evolve that into like the next hunt. Like, Hey, this is, this is like one of those, you get it every 20 years. Like we're going to see dozens and dozens of bulls and here's my strategy and here's why. And like, here's why I'm going to pursue a giant bull. Here's why I might just shoot the first one. Like, and I think people are going to get a good picture of what elk hunting in the West is like with different weapons in different seasons in times of the year and different strategies. So that's my goal is five for five. I'm committing this season to hunt elk because I don't know if I will ever get this opportunity again. So I'm taking it. That's sick, man. That sounds like it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to follow that. So, um, definitely yeah i'll be looking forward to that so where can people like find you and be following that stuff um the hush platforms are where i upload what i call like the cream of the crop all my best footage so on youtube (coughs) excuse me youtube it's called hushin it stands for hunting fishing so the brand hush is hunt fish so on youtube it's hushin on instagram it's get hushin uh tiktok get hushin and then facebook you can find us on hushin um, we're really committed to the YouTube platform and Instagram. Those are kind of our two home bases. And then my personal channels, I always share a little more. You'll get the hunting stuff, but you get a little more of, you know, my personal touch and maybe yeah. more of the day-to-day lifestyle. And that's on my Eric Chester outside YouTube and Eric Chester on Instagram. Sweet. Well, and I'm cool, on man. TikTok for all the young guns okay. out there. I'm on TikTok. Yeah. But, don't be surprised if I disappear on there one day. Cause I, every time I log in, they're like, warning, you are on your last strike. Like you're going to be deleted. And I'm like, I'm not going to post for a while. So I haven't really been posting on there cause I don't want it to get deleted. Yeah. Dang. Well, I've been thinking about doing that, but I just, I just really like long form video, man. I'm not, I don't know. I'll probably regret not getting on there, but whatever. 
But anyway, man, it's been really fun talking to you. I appreciate your time, dude. And um, we should definitely yeah, do a follow up like uh, sometime. We'll we'll get something on the on the books. I'll track yeah, you down again. <laughs> yeah, let's try to do it before uh, before the end of August. So like maybe okay. the sometime in August, like first two weeks. Let's try to get something All on right. the books and cool. We'll focus more on like hunts and story times and things like that. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good, man. Well, thanks for having me. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on.